And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. Here he is, Michael Savage. That's my man, my man. There he is. How are you, sir? Eating some yogurt from my house. (laughs) Uh, You do it. You do it. You get uh, fueled up. I'll put it away just for you. (laughs) No, no, no. Feel free to finish. My goodness. How are the mountains, Jack? Oh, they're great. It's uh, There's not really, really a shoulder season in Park City, maybe all mountain towns anymore, because all those people who came in, all that New York finance money and all that <laughs> California tech money that came in during COVID when uh, New York and California announced that their schools weren't going to open uh, in uh, fall of 2020. And everybody came here to their second and third homes, and then they stayed. So uh, where we used to have a little, little peace as far as uh, traffic and congestion goes, that's doesn't exist anymore. Have They're, they brought their yeah. um, non-values with them? They unfortunately, a lot of them have, not all, but <laughs> um, some were, you know, closet um, conservatives uh, in the areas they came from. But there's a lot of you can tell. I mean, well, it's the same mentality that destroyed Vermont because when I was young, Vermont was a rock rib Republican state, and then New York fell apart, and a lot of the left wingers ran to Vermont. And they installed Bernie Sanders in uh, the capital city, and the rest is history. Savage. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Middle East on the brink. North Korea on the brink. Iran increasing its aggression. Elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989898. Jack, I want to begin with a quote from your own book, which I will happily hold up called Only the Dead. So Jack Carr is a great writer, not just a war hero. I'm calling you a war hero. I know you don't want to hear it. Most guys don't. You're an ex-Navy SEAL, right, Jack? Correct. Okay, so you could kill me by looking at me in real person. (laughs) (laughs) All that stuff's classified. Those moves are classified. (laughs) Those Chinese moves. And you're dead. But in your book, which we covered on a previous podcast, shouldn't be forgotten because 
Okay, jacket copy. Jack Carr, only the dead. Long buried secrets, a devastating global conspiracy, and only one man who could stop it. Jack Carr. So, I mean, James Reese. You know, I, and I do want to thank you for something also. Uh, we, when we spoke last time, uh, you could sense that I was a little bit, uh, not down, but uh, yes. a tad bit pessimistic. And I've mentioned this in multiple other interviews that I've that I've done since, uh, in that you said uh, you have to remain optimistic because if you don't, you can't manifest that for future generations. And uh, and I, I've thought a lot about that since we spoke on the podcast, and I've repeated it and thanked you in multiple other uh, venues. How many children do you have? We have three. 18, well, okay. Well, there you go. You can't let them see that. I mean, it's okay for a child to see dad don't feel good. But if dad's not feeling good all the time, that's another story. Oh, yeah. No, I'm pretty a uh, positive guy. But well, then you're going to become a talk show host if you get if you go there. It's good to know your limitations. A wise man once said, and uh, I'll stick with writing. Well, Jack, I want to read something from your book, because what's going on in Israel right now is on everyone's mind who has a mind. So you're talking in Chapter seven. And now it's set in Krasnodar Krai, Russia. And it's uh, Russians talking. And one of the characters says the American Americans remain the only country on earth to use offensive nuclear weapons. And Kozak nods and says, and what of the Russian Jews in Israel? Has all your good living made you soft, comrade? It's only a question, Chairman Kozak. Now, here's the key paragraph from your book. As with Stalingrad and Leningrad in the Great Patriotic War, sacrifices for Mother Russia are expected. The U.S. and Israel will destroy Iran. It will not be easy, but they will prevail and rid the world of this Iranian nuclear issue, of the Iranian nuclear issue. But they are no longer strong enough to fight a two-front and certainly not a three-front war. They will shift all efforts to defeating Iran. When they do, we push through Ukraine and China will annex Taiwan. Now, here we are with a terrible, terrible things coming out of Israel. The slaughter of babies in kibbutz. I've never seen this anything like this since the Holocaust. Maybe in modern times, we've seen this kind of thing in Africa with the Tutus and the Hutsis. Maybe it was done during Pol Pot's reign of communist terror. But I haven't seen this in, in 40 years or more. Now it's been unleashed. The Islamofascists are naked for the world to see. Are you still of the opinion outside of fiction that Russia is somewhat involved with these attacks by Hamas, Jack? I would say so, whether that's a, a, uh, a loose association or a more direct line through Iran. But essentially what you have on one side is the U.S., Israel and Saudi Arabia on the brink of an agreement that uh, from the outside looks like normalizing of relations and increase uh, oil production, decrease oil costs. That's what it looks like from the outside. And we'll get back to that in a second. But on the other side, you have Iran, Russia and China. And China is Iran's largest trading partner. They signed two years ago, they signed a 25 year strategic agreement. Wow. So kind of the three trilateral um, uh, alliances, for lack of a better term. And what I think really is going on here, though, is this is really about nuclear supremacy in 
the Middle East. And even Netanyahu in September, and I didn't know this before I did a, a news spot last night and mentioned it as a possibility. And someone sent me an article from the Times of Israel where in September, Netanyahu suggested that perhaps Saudi Arabia, uh, it would be acceptable for them to become a nuclear power in the Middle East. And we have all, we all, uh, you know, know, essentially, and air quotes, know that Israel has been a nuclear power since probably the 60s. Um, they don't advertise that fact, neither do we. But in the next 50 years, there will be another nuclear power in the Middle East. Is that going to be Iran or is that going to be Saudi Arabia aligned with Israel and the United States? So I think that's really what we're looking at here. And uh, Hamas is, is a proxy and that meant to, to delay those. I don't think they can really eliminate that agreement. I think that it uh, it might delay the agreement, what Hamas has done over the weekend. Um, but- uh, it, Well, you mean the agreement between Israel and Saudi Arabia? And the US, yes. I thought Saudi Arabia backed away from it yesterday. I think they'll back, but what I mean is they'll back away a little bit and then it'll probably, uh, let's say if I had to guess a year, we'll be back to where we are in normalizing relations with Well, Saudi. it's a nation that's been around for thousands of years. People forget how the Bedouins have been playing war games since Jesus walked the earth. We, you know, we like to think of them as primitive guys who live in tents, but they grow up playing war games in the sand. So strategically, they step away, then they step back. They play one side against the other. They have always done that. Great rug traders they are. But Jack, Russia, Russia, Russia. In your book, Only the Dead, again, I'm going to talk about your book. Um, you theorize the Russian plan, the Iranian attack on Israel to draw the U.S. into another Middle East war, spreading our military too thin so that Russia can slide into Ukraine and China can slide into Taiwan. Is this happening? I don't know if it's happening in those specifics, but certainly our military is being, uh, let's say, uh, used in ways that uh, that uh, might not be beneficial to our country. Um, and uh, by that, I mean, drawing down of forces, particularly the Navy, uh, as you know, at the end of World War Two, a year before the end of World War Two, as we were at uh, Brenton Woods trying to figure out essentially what that post-war world was going to look like uh, instead of the United States standing up and uh, essentially taking um, from all those countries who had been uh, who had, had been devastated during World War II. Instead, we said we were going to provide essentially security for free trade for the entire world moving into this post-war period. And we've done that up until essentially now uh, with a fleet the way it is, uh, with the numbers that, that we have. China's is growing. Of course, regionally, it's very powerful, not so much as a, a blue water force, but that's changing, especially as ours draw down. Uh, and then we have, of course, untold billions going into Ukraine. Uh, then we get to showcase what 20 years of planning will do with our top military minds in August of 2021 as we leave Afghanistan. And we get to watch that in real time and watch our greatest strategic planners. Uh, that's what they could come up with. And so the world sees that as well. And so all of these things, if I was the enemy looking at the United States, looking at our division, looking at all the other ways that I can kind of foment some more division through social channels, um, I'd say that uh, it is a very good time for them to rearrange the chessboard. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand.
But is Russia involved, in your opinion? I mean, as a, as a fiction writer and as an American strategist, do you think Russia is yes. silently in pulling some of these? Oh, yes. That's, yes. A, that's a Russia, China, Iran tri- triad right there. But, Jack, you have to agree with me that when Trump would I, I hate to make this all about Trump and <laughs> as flawed as he is and as nuts as he is. And I love the guy because I think it takes a crazy nut to save the country. Uh, he had everything in place. The world was somewhat in, at peace. The, the Abraham Accord should not be forgotten. I know one of the architects of the Abraham Accords, a great guy, Arabs and Jews sitting down together after so many years of hatred under Trump. And now the world has exploded. It seems to me Biden has destroyed the entire world, maybe inadvertently, maybe through incompetence and corruption and some cases outright criminality. But the world is not holding together right now, Jack. It's blown up. That exactly right. And so geopolitically, the timing, we discussed the Saudi Arabia, U.S., Israel uh, agreement. But uh, more than that, uh, Israel divided with the executive branch and the judicial yeah. uh, having their clashes within Israel. OK, that divides Israel. People uh, don't know what that's about. I have to insert this here because during this fight in Israel, which was a civil war without guns against the Jew against Jew, what was going on there, as far as I can tell, to my best analysis was Netanyahu's right wing conservative government wanted to take away some of the absolute power that the that the Israeli Supreme Court had accrued. He wanted, in other words, a more balanced power structure in Israel, a little division of power. And and they wanted it out of the hands of the Harvard trained Jews who came from America and wound up as lawyers back in Israel and wound up on the Supreme Court with their superior virtue of the oppressed mentality that we know better than anyone else. And we are the Supreme Court. We are the Sanhedrin of today. Go to hell. We run the country. So Netanyahu said, no, we need a balance of power. Well, that created a a, a rift in Israel that people were not even understanding what the hell was going on. I understand that some of the IDF members were even saying they would not fight in another war if judicial reform, so-called, went through. And Hamas, Russia, China, Iran understood this, that there was a weakness in Israel that they had not seen. I don't know since when. I really don't know if they've had such a division as now. Mm -hmm. And they were planning this act for, according to the latest reports, almost in plain sight for a year. Jack, how could we got to get to this eventually of how the hell does Hamas train an air, sea and land invasion with paragliders, et cetera, and not be seen by CIA assets, Mossad, UK intelligence, French intelligence, German intelligence, uh, all the intelligence agencies that were didn't see this, Jack. How? I mean, it's uh, intelligence failures. Uh, there, there are flashpoints of those throughout uh, modern history, from uh, Pearl Harbor to uh, collapse of the Soviet Union to 9-11 to this weekend. Um, but uh, a few few other things there. When you mentioned the IDF were saying they wouldn't fight in a war if, if, uh, if the judicial reform went through, uh, I think that's changed. Uh, the, this is... Certainly, Hamas can tout this as their greatest victory uh, of of all time. But I think it's more of a Pyrrhic victory. What they managed to do was unite a divided Israel. And uh, as you just uh, as you just explained, it was extremely divided, maybe as divided as it has ever been. And this attack has managed to unite 
Israel. Those people who said they would not be fighting, guess what? They're fighting now uh, out of necessity because Israel has no other choice. And another miscalculation that Hamas make and others make is that they look at Israel as an occupying power and they look to the French in Algeria, they look to the British Uh British in in India, not realizing that it's a different paradigm because the French... France to go back to. The British had Great Britain to go back to. Uh, the Israelis don't have anywhere to go back to. They are going to fight to the last person on that soil. And that makes it very different than the French in Algeria and then the British in Kenya. So there have been miscalculations uh, along the way on both sides. But Jack, the American left makes Israel into a different picture than it actually is. And they say that it's the European Jews who came there and colonized an Arab nation and on social media, I have to keep reminding them Jews have had a presence there since biblical times, 5,000 years. And some will argue that the, quote, Palestinians are actually the colonizers, the Phoenicians. They're not even native to the area or indigenous to that region. People don't understand any of this, Jack. I mean, the the messaging is all f- And now it's even easier. Before, let's say 1985, if I was interested in figuring these things out, I could go and so I could go to the library. I could purchase you or three or four books. books. I could go back into those books. And now, uh, very few. If you, I'm sure you keep your eye on the the publishing world as as well. Fewer people are buying books today. Oh, I'm aware of that across the board. As an Uh, ex writer, I'm joking. No, I I have a book coming out. (laughs) next month. I know what's going on. My publisher says you have no idea what's happened to the publishing industry after all the books you've written. Uh, People are not buying books. They'd rather go read a tweet than read a book. Exactly, which makes it much easier to manipulate uh, thoughts and behaviors um, to rewrite history, whereas before you could take that in, read the next book on the subject, get to that point where you thought, oh, I've I've immersed myself in this topic. Um, I think I know it well enough now to have an opinion on it. Um, well, now your opinion is formed like this because of an influencer who also didn't put in the requisite time, energy and effort to studying the issue. You know, a porn star has more influence than than um, than than Shakespeare does. It's it, I mean, and a porn star could bring <laughs> Which brings us back to what I thanked you. What I thanked you for earlier is that uh, that optimism. But when we talk about (laughs) about a porn star having more influence than than uh, than someone else who spent their life studying a a region (laughs) or a topic, uh, that that makes it very hard to uh, stay optimistic for long. Well, look, I've spent my whole life as a student, two master's degrees, a real Ph.D. I've written 30 books. I feel sometimes like, okay, great. It's all been evaporated by some porn star who shows her. You know, it's or possible. some male guy who shows his abs, he has more followers than I do. What the hell can I do? I'm just not a good looking guy, but I'm from another generation. So, Jack, let's get down to serious business here, because we could get really depressed if we let ourselves go down that road. Uh, OK. You yourself. Are a best selling author. In fact, I met you on uh, on 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 uh, what was it? Amazon. The Terminalist, the movie with Chris Pratt was astounding. Then I bought the book. Then I had you on the podcast. So now you have this other book and you predict all this stuff going on with Russia. And by the way, when I pulled the book back out, look. Hey, look at that. So the tag I just read is the thing about the quote I just made. Mm-hmm. But there's one more I have to read from your book since you're here with us and get your reactions. Um, good. Be alert. Reminded, he reminded the lieutenant, 
their security element from Taliban Bardi 313 Battalion was not to be trusted. They were standing next to their HH HMMWVs left behind by the Americans and were armed with suppressed M4s, also abandoned by the Americans in their ill-conceived retreat from Afghanistan. These are the Russians talking to each other. When the U.S. military had had their assets handed handed to them by a bunch of barefoot, illiterate savages with AKs and IEDs for 20 years. The the M4s that the uh, Hamas murderers were seen with came from where? We'll find out. Um, it, it's uh, it, I haven't seen anything definitive right now, but it certainly makes sense that they could have come from Afghanistan. Those weapons went somewhere. They didn't just stay in the in the the, the lockers or the crates or the the bags that they were left behind in. Um, they certainly went somewhere, and they're fairly easy to maintain, much easier than the helicopters that we left behind. Um, so uh, the, the small arms, uh, I'm sure, either ended up they either they stayed in the hands of the Taliban. Some of them stayed in the hands of the Taliban, and some of them went around the world, were sold. Um, they're, they're, I'm sure some of them ended up in Russia. Uh, uh, so they could go and and see exactly what kind of optics and capabilities we have on some of those weapon systems just to, uh, to, to so they can gain further knowledge into what we our capabilities are on the battlefield. Um, same with those helicopters we left behind. Everything we left behind, I'm sure, has had Russian eyes on it, Chinese eyes on it. What about Ukraine? Did some of those M4s come back off the black market from the corrupt, corrupt some from some of the corrupt people in Ukraine, in your oh, opinion? There we shall see, but I'll tell you that what I what I do know is that there are a lot of Ukrainians driving very nice vehicles in oh. right now. Up in Park City or in Ukraine? <laughs> in Europe for the most part, I'm but sorry. possibly out here. There's there's <laughs> please, some new G Wagons and Range neighbor, Rovers. Your out new here. neighbor, your new <laughs> neighbor is, is liable to be Zelensky in three months. <laughs> it's possible. It, it, it may be probable. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Okay, so you do theorize that Russia's involved. You're not hiding that. You do theorize that some of the M4s could have come out of Afghanistan. Not hiding that. You're currently researching your next bestseller, we hope, which includes Hamas, Israel, and the Middle East. You're researching that. How did you come to un- or how did you come to project that Hamas would be involved in the next big attack in the Middle East as you were researching your book? I mean, you did this before it happened. Well, and the same thing with True Believer, but some of these things aren't be True Believer is my second novel where I talk about a Russian invasion of Ukraine uh, that I wrote. I wrote back in it came out in 2019. But it's uh, some of these things aren't difficult to predict if you put yourself in the shoes of the enemy and okay. look at us through the enemy's eyes. We neglect to do that time and time again. Um, I theorize because that is because of some sort of imperial hubris that uh, many of our senior level leaders are somehow burdened with. But you're trained as a Navy SEAL to think like the enemy, correct? That's the way that you can outthink them, uh, because uh, war is all about adapting. And whoever adapts faster than their enemy is usually going to end up victorious. So, it's so that's how Hamas outsmarted the Israelis. They thought well, like the Israelis. So, Jack, let's use your brilliant military and, and fictional mind. So Hamas calculated how to do this. Right in plain sight, according to the latest reports, they were training for a year in plain sight. Mm. They even created a mock Gazan village, a a Um, mock Jewish village. 
Huh. How could our satellites not see them doing this, Jack? I didn't know about the mock village. I'm going to look into it as soon as we, we get off this. Okay, podcast. so they, they, they train breaking into a, a kibbutz, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So they, they've thought this through. They knew the Israelis would then do a ground incursion into Gaza. They've calculated what their enemy would do. The Israelis are following the script. I believe, as an amateur and not as a, a warrior, uh, that the Israelis are making a grave error in going into the ground in Gaza. They're going to be captured. And we're going to see more atrocities, this time of Israeli soldiers being hung from overpasses, God forbid. I mean, it's not a guarantee that the Israelis win, is it? It's just never guaranteed. a guarantee. There's, uh, the, the enemy always gets a vote, as, uh, as we uh-huh. said. Uh, <laughs> well and and uh, it's, uh, it, it's an interesting shift in paradigm in that for at least the last decade, decade plus, Israel has exercised um, uh, enormous restraint in how it has dealt with Hamas in particular, but Hezbollah as well to the north. And that is because I think their senior level leaders decided and did the the citizens as well that Hamas was tolerable with the levels of violence that they had seen over the last decade. Right. Uh, I read that they the reason they didn't see this coming is they said Hamas had money pouring in from Mm -hmm. Israel and other sources. And and they said they're happy with the money. They really just want to keep the citizens of Gaza happy. So we're feeling good about them because they're not interested in war anymore. That's what I just read today. The Israelis were thinking, well, I guess they were wrong. Yeah, but I think it's not it's more a tolerable, tolerable level because there have been incursions. There has been violence. um, There have been prisoner exchanges. uh, But this that this is why there are fingerprints of both Iran and Russia in this, because uh, they've They've been able to get away with those things uh, without a major offensive by the Israelis into Gaza. Um, and so in order to derail this agreement between the U.S., Israel and Saudi Arabia, what needs to happen? Well, those tolerable levels of violence that Israel has been uh, putting up with for the last decade plus, uh, those had to be exceeded in a major way. Um, but once again, we talk about Pyrrhic victories, and uh, this may be one of those. All right. So you're a former Navy SEAL, meaning you are a Navy SEAL, not you're a retired Navy SEAL. Once a SEAL, always a SEAL. What would a ground response look like in Gaza? You're on that team. What are the challenges for the Israelis that we civilians don't see? We can figure out going door to door is kind of dangerous. We know how the enemy is going to behave. They're going to take some of the captured women and children, have them scream and cry, save me, save me, please. And they're going to walk into a trap. Isn't that going to happen? It's probably one of the worst situations that I can possibly imagine uh, ground troops going into. And because you're not only having to deal with the hostages that have been taken, and we don't know those numbers yet that are scattered all around Gaza, but you have uh, citizens in in Gaza. You have women and children there as well that are intentionally being kept in positions where they will be hit if Israeli, when Israeli forces go in as they are going in right now. Um, And that just tells you something. I mean, if you're the head of a household uh, and you're putting your wife and your children uh, in harm's way so that their bodies can then be used to show the world that Israel did not exercise enough restraint here uh, when those bodies of your wife and your children are uh, in, a, in, in an area that is a weapons cache, uh, is launching rockets into Israel, um, is, uh, is an IED factory. So going in there um, is probably one of the toughest things I can possibly 
imagine. And, but they're going to, it's also, it's a horrible word to use opportunity, meaning that uh, if they had launched preemptively and Israel had done what they're, what they're doing now because of uh, an intelligence assessment that Hamas was going to do what they did over the weekend, uh, well, then world perception is a little different. But right now, they probably can knock Hamas back at least a decade. I don't think you can eliminate something like this, as we saw in Iraq and Afghanistan. We right. tried for 20 years to uh, eliminate insurgencies. Um, but this is different because it is... Uh, on their soil. That would be like an insurgency inside the United States where we're doing expeditionary counterinsurgency overseas. So there is a little bit different of a dynamic here, but uh, I don't think you can eliminate them, but you can set them back at least a decade with how hard oh, look, This is an insurgency based upon uh, decades of horrendous living conditions amongst the, the, the Gazans, amongst the Palestinians, amongst the Arabs who are living in destitution and, and horror, which is not to blame the Jews for it because they lived that way before the Jews were there. It was the Jews who came there and turned it into a, into a thriving Garden of Eden. I mean, so you can say the Jews took something from them, or you could say, how come they've been there so long and didn't do this for themselves? How come when Israel left Gaza in 2005, which was a mistake at the time, I remember being on the radio saying this was Ariel Sharon's greatest mistake by the great general, encircled the Egyptian Sixth Army, a terrible politician. He gave Gaza back. And the minute the um, Palestinians were given Gaza, they didn't use the greenhouses to raise roses and fruits. They ripped out the watering systems and turned them into sites to shoot rockets into, into Israel proper. So they're, they've been on raised to kill. They, they teach their children to kill Jews from childhood. This is not ending when this end, ends. So this is a bigger discussion than you and I can have because it's Cain and Abel, some would say. It's ancient. It's been going on since biblical times, and it might go on until post-apocalyptic times. You know. So, But as a warrior, and to get down to brass tacks, watching this go on, Troops from Israel, uh, tanks from Israel. Um, Boeing just announced minutes ago they're going to send a thousand smart bombs to Israel. Savage. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. When they go in, we already saw some Israeli special forces were killed yesterday trying mm -hmm. to take back some kibbutzim. You saw that, right? I did. I got a text about it. And a friend is actually over there um, in uh, Israeli Special Operations Forces. And he says, what we're seeing, the videos that we're seeing, as horrible as they are, they're not the half of it. And, uh, yeah. What of what they're seeing when they go in yep. to the kibbutz and see what the Palestinians did to their when they're in. He didn't give specifics on where he's fighting right now. But uh, with just what he's seeing and then he's obviously seeing the videos that are out there, mostly put out by by Hamas, by the way, but news agencies as well, um, that that doesn't scratch the surface of what they're but seeing. Jack, the beheading of Jewish infants yeah. that came out from a British newspaper yesterday. I've been sick all day over it because to me, I haven't seen such atrocity since the Holocaust, actually, amongst so-called civilized people as i the last i saw anything like this where they cut to be very graphic for the listening audience there have been images of jewish women who were pregnant who have had their fetuses cut out and the baby slaughtered the fetus slaughtered and the mother slaughtered by these butchers how is this possible in this day and age 
How could they behead babies, little infants? It's something that I can't comprehend as a civilian. It's an, I don't understand how this could be going on in this world. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to maintain that moral high ground, because sometimes that's the only thing that differentiates us from the enemy. Uh, and in this case, it's going to be very tough for those Israeli soldiers who have to go in to Gaza to exercise that sort of restraint after what they have seen, what's been done to their families. I mean, we have to remember Israel is a very small country, a uh, very small population. Everyone has is affected by this um, and it's about to get it's about to get a lot worse, a lot worse. And I don't see the outcome is very clear. Uh, I I even said on a podcast yesterday, the good guys don't always win. There's no assurances Israel will, quote, win this. It's getting worse right now because there's now reports, as we speak, of attacks coming, increased attacks coming from the north, from Hezbollah. Well, that's the wild card. Northern front, Gazan front. We have yet to see what comes out of the, what is that? I can't remember the polarities here. Western front. Western front. If that West Bank explodes with three million people in it, with a yeah. little help from others like Iran, what's to prevent Iran from sending a million troops over the border? You know, people forget the Iran-Iraq war where Iran wasted a million of their own young boys. They ran them through minefields to attack Iraq, Shia, Sunni against their own people. Yeah. Life means nothing to these people. What's to prevent Iran from sending a million young conscripts over the border into Israel? I think the only thing is that they have proxy forces that can do that for them. And there's a U.S. carrier battle group now in the Med is a very clear message uh, that uh, that that we are there to deter that sort of, of aggression. Even though our uh, senior administration officials are saying that there is no tie to Iran, yet they're moving that carrier battle group, which is very telling uh, that uh, there probably is a very direct tie to Iran if you're moving a carrier battle group. Are we, are we ready to use cluster bombs on, let's say, mass formations of Iranian cannon fodder being sent over a border into Israel? That's a good question. And I don't have the, we I don't don't have know. the answer. We don't know what's coming tomorrow. But I think it was gold in my air. And I love ta- that's why I love talking. You can always learn learn so much when we have our discussions. But uh, I think it was gold in my air. And she said something along the lines of um, this war will end when um, Palestinian mothers love their children more than they hate the Jews. Yeah, well, that hasn't happened yet. No. So Biden, has he spoken yet? I mean, we're speaking today. And uh, has the great man spoken yet? They gave him his ice cream. They kept him away for three days. He had a barbecue. Here's a man who hates Columbus Day. They said he didn't speak yesterday because it was Columbus Day. He was celebrating it. I guess his real name is Bidino, and he's Italian. He's not Irish by descent. And he had to celebrate Christopher Columbus's conquest of uh, of the Western Hemisphere. Uh, you know, I have to lighten things up or I couldn't get through a minute, let alone a day. You have to. You have to. Jack, I don't know how it is with you guys, you warriors. I suppose some of you know how to joke around in the midst of the most dark moments, right? Oh, you have to. It's uh, and that's uh, yeah, I guess it's it's dark gallows humor sometimes, I think, in the uh, the quote unquote foxhole. But uh, you have to have you have to maintain that, especially as a leader. I've been, uh, in, a mental, I've been in a mental foxhole since I was. <laughs> Understand. I get it, Jack. So I'm going back to your book. We want to sell your books. People have to understand, you know, you're not an ordinary writer. That's the thing why we're talking about this. You know, if it was just let's say um, a thriller, Jack Carr, Only the Dead, or Jack Carr, The Terminalist. 
like fun enough. You know, I like to watch Netflix dramas. I watch Amazon dramas. I like police dramas. But this one has a, an element of prescience to it. And it's as though you could see into the future. And I don't know how you saw what was coming, really, with Russia, Russia, Russia here. Um, how does it end? That is the question. We asked ourselves that from the, the first day we were in Afghanistan. Certainly by the sixth year we were in Afghanistan and Iraq, seventh year, eighth year. How does this end? And uh, and that's one of those intangible type questions that you cannot really answer because there's ah. so many variables out there. Um, so I think, I mean, in this case, just like uh, what uh, President Herzog said uh, the other day when he spoke to the to his remarks on the attack when he addressed the nation. He said, this time too, the state of Israel will win. But here's the important part. He said, we have no other choice. They can't be like the United States and lose in Iraq and Afghanistan and still still come home. They, they can't do that. They are right there. They are fighting for their homeland. They are fighting for the future of their nation. Uh, and they have no other choice but to win. So that is very telling. Well, okay, so we're sitting here. I'm I'm an armchair general. You're an actual, you know, combat veteran. I'm not, but I still have have a strategic mind. So mm -hmm. if I were to use my strategic analysis, there's only one way the Israelis can win to some extent. Okay, you take the thousands of Palestinian terrorists held in Israeli prisons, you trade them for every single hostage that is known. And then you give a leaflet warning to everyone in Gaza. You better go to Egypt because we're going to turn Gaza into a glass factory. We're going to carpet bomb all of Gaza. There'll be nothing left. Not a mule will be living. And f the world because we don't care anymore. The world doesn't care about us. Is that a possibility? I mean, if you were writing, would you even dare put that into a book or it's too crazy? No, I would say that that first part anyway, with uh, hostages, prisoners for hostages, was the old paradigm. And that has worked in the past. Um, mm. But I think things have changed. Ah, this got, weekend. They figured this out. The, the Hamas figured that out already, right? Well, I think that Israel has uh, figured it out and that uh, they are going to go in and not, not adhere to past norms, not adhere to past models of relations with Hamas, which would have been those prisoner exchanges for hostages. So that we're going to lose the know. hostages then. They're all going to be killed. I don't know. I don't well, know. I suspect that if Israel has to go full force, which is what they're building up for, they've already written off the hostages who will be killed either by Israeli bombs or by the Hamas mass murderers. It's possible, but I think I wouldn't I wouldn't make that big of a generality, meaning okay. they have special operations forces that are trained specifically to go after hostages. And I am sure they will also do everything they possibly can to recover, uh, rescue those hostages. But how many of our special forces and Israeli special forces are going to be captured by these maniacs? That's what that's the part that also worries me, Jack. I mean, that's yeah. not a given that they're not supermen. They're not bulletproof. No, they they could be captured, couldn't they? Correct. And there's there was this aura of uh, not invincibility. That's not the right word, but um, that uh, Israeli military and intelligence services uh, were the uh, preeminent force 
in the Middle East. Untouchable in a way. Untouchable. Exactly. Uh, and they only uh, the the countries surrounding Israel, the terrorist groups operating within and outside of Israel only existed really because of Israel's goodwill and their restraint. Uh-huh. That was shattered over this last weekend with the intelligence failure and calling up of troops and the chaos that this instilled within the borders of Israel. So that also provides a bit of an opening. Uh, when we look at Hezbollah in the north, you look at uh, the West Bank and you look at uh, the fingerprints of Iran on this. Um, they're noting all of this as well. They're taking those notes, just like they did when the U.S. left Afghanistan. Um, so what they'll do with that information, that remains to be seen. Savage. Michael Savage, a host like no other. People should forget when they say Iran, they're talking about Persia. Persia, you have to, you know, you talk about people who don't even know Persia existed because they look at a, a, a porn star on, on, on Instagram for their news and their history. Okay, so Persia was a world empire. Been around a long time fought with many enemies. They have a long plan. Their long plan, eliminate Israel, eliminate the United States, and dominate the world with Islam. We are infidels, all of them. To, to all, of, all of us are infidels to the Persians, correct? There's a great book called The Persian Puzzle. Uh, that oh. I read years and years ago, which speaks to to what you're you're talking about right here. Um, and and if nothing else, it uh, highlights just how complex that area of the world is when you look at it through a Western eye. Um, and so that's one of the things to take into account, obviously, when dealing with Iran and that part of the world in general, is that if you apply the Western eye to it, uh, especially uh, an eye of uh, someone from the United States to it with our norms, our culture, our history, um, you might be uh, very disappointed in your outcomes. But uh, what you can do is study up as much as you possibly can on any of these regions in the world, especially if you're a policymaker or a member of the military, particularly if you're at those more senior levels dictating strategic policy. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm when you said senior levels of our military, all I could think of was trans training, uh, LGBTQ pride days, uh, diversity, uh, equity and inclusion days. Nothing about defeating the enemy. They don't even know what Islamo fascism is, Jack. That is the sad truth. It is very sad that we're headed down that path and it's being played out with the, the recruitment numbers. Well, my wife said something to me. I mean, she's a diehard patriot. Her father was a, a Navy officer in World War II who suffered severely from what he saw on the, on the ships in the Atlantic. Men, this, he's there commanding gun batteries on ships and he turns in the men are gone because they were evaporated by incoming shells. You know, when he freaked his head out. So Harvard Law graduate, he messed his head up. So she says, why were they holding a rave in the desert on the border with Gaza? That, that's all she asks. She, she's an old school Calvinist kind of gal. And she says, like, what? why the f- were they holding a rave on the border with Gaza? Like where they could see them through the fence. Why? Yeah, I, I have not looked into that, but uh, maybe it shows a level of comfort. Um, with how with what had been the relationship between Israel and Gaza for the last decade, oh, the naked belly dancers at the rave. It's hey, you know, if I knew that was there, I might be there as well. That's yeah, what I'm, I'm saying. The risk. Well, put that into your next book. Write the scene tonight to get rid of some of the pain. So I was reading. How did intelligence agencies miss this? Can I read you a 
couple of something I found. Please. I'm quoting now. How did intelligence miss this? Treason is most likely infiltrated by enemies like Simon Bolivar wrote in his letters about building the Republic of Venezuela after he fought against the Spanish Empire. We're doing a little history now. He called it criminal clemency, memorial to the citizens of New Granada by a citizen of Caracas pamphlet printed 1813. Thence was born an impunity towards crimes against the state. They were shamelessly committed by the malcontents and particularly by our born and, and implacable enemies, the European Spaniards, who had schemingly remained in our country in order to keep it in continual turmoil and to foster whatever conspiracies our judges permitted them to organize by always acquitting them even when their misdeeds were of such enormity as to endanger public welfare. I could go on. Mm. But I think that's food for thought for us, isn't it, Jack? It certainly is. And it's uh, Israel was supposed to be the intelligence service that had tentacles reaching all the way to Iran through Hezbollah, through Hamas. Right. Um, and that was that was their reputation and has been for years. But just like any other institution, any other person, um, they're fallible and they're p- going to make mistakes. This one was a huge one obviously. And we can ask ourselves, what did Hamas do? So what did they do? They recognized that Israel was relying on walls with technology, with cameras and with sensors and with drones. And they figured out a way around that technology. Not to say that technology is not important. Of course it is. But uh, much like us at the end of the Cold War, where we gave up a lot of our human intelligence type of operations and relied more heavily on satellites and electronic surveillance type of uh, of intelligence, I think perhaps Israel has done the same. So Hamas was communicating not through cell phones. They stopped using them, according to we read. They were using paper. They were doing like the mafia, you know, with a toothpick in their mouth, walking down the streets, you know, like, Ahmed, you'll go here, we'll go there. I mean, it's like, that's how they arrange this whole thing, old-style 50s mafia stuff? Or, I mean, there is in the in that part of the world a way to transfer money from uh, one family to another, one region to another. Um, uh, and it's been around for, for centuries, and I use that in my fourth book, The Devil's Hand, and uh, that is how uh, the, the enemy communicates in order to essentially continue what was started on on 9-11 and really finish the United States off. So that's how I have them communicate in order to get around all our technical intelligence capabilities. And so we're going to recognize what we have and they're going to adapt. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Before you go, and I know your time is limited, which book should people I mean, I love only the dead right now because it's about Russia, Russia, Russia involved with Hamas, Hamas, Hamas. And again, I have to go back to what I began with because Ukraine's tied in here. And, and I, I, I'd be remiss not to mention it um, as was, I'm going to read the same quote again. As with Stalingrad and Leningrad in the great patriotic war, sacrifice of a mother Russia expected, the U.S. and Israel will destroy Iran, will destroy Iran. That I think is what the battle group is doing there, by the way. I suspect Israel's going to bomb Iran into the Stone Age. Of course, I don't know how you hit an underground nuclear bunker that's a mile underground, incidentally, any more than I know how you get old women and children out of a out of a tunnel in Gaza. I can't figure it out. It says it will not be easy, but they will prevail and rid the world of the Iranian nuclear issue. You write, but they are no longer strong enough to fight a two front, certainly not a three front war. They will shift all efforts to defeating Iran when they do. 
we push through Ukraine and China. Uh, we push through Ukraine and China will annex Taiwan. Chilling words, Jack, in Only the Dead, which I'll hold up because I want everyone to buy Jack's book. Otherwise, he won't come on my podcast again. Uh, <laughs> well, I certainly yeah. will. I learn so much every time we're on here. So I'll, I'll come back anytime. Thanks. That's very That's sweet. Good, Jack. It's an honor. So, again, Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. We got poor little Zelensky running around trying to maintain relevance, saying uh, what Hamas is doing is what they're doing to us in Ukraine. And I'm finding him more and more reprehensible. I don't like the man. I don't like his act. I don't like that uh, Israel had to give up weapons to him. We all read that. Yep. That uh, Tony Blinken forced Israel to give up half. We read 50% of the 155 millimeter artillery shells that we had given Israel to Ukraine. It was what they spent millions of them fired onto Russian troops and the Russians are more dug in than ever. The Ukrainians have not advanced a meter. Yeah. Jack, again, as a warrior, you you're watching what's going on between Ukraine and Russia. What are the Russians liable to do next in Ukraine? Well, it is it is boiled down now to a war of attrition and they can wait and they can move a, a block forward uh, and then they can wait again and move another block forward uh, as as uh, Ukraine asked us for for more money. And we continue to send it without really any ability to audit it. And once again, in that part of the world, you have to expect that a lot of that is going to pad pockets uh, and not go where it's supposed to be going to the front lines. Ooh. But. Uh, the, the greater question there has to do with, I think, the, uh, for lack of a better term, military industrial complex with bringing other countries into NATO, which means that they now need uh, U.S. or NATO uh, weapons that, uh, that are provided for the most part by the United States and our defense industry. So uh, there's a lot at play there to be certain and if you just think it's about uh russia and ukraine and uh national sovereignty then you probably need to stop following some of those people that we mentioned earlier and dive into pages of some history books jack i what about all of the millions that are coming over our own border you know we haven't talked about it everyone's suddenly saying wait a minute look how many foreign nationals have come over how many of them are hamas sitting in this country waiting to be activated jack what do you think about that Oh, my goodness. I mean, it is, seems so obvious if you're looking at something logically. And you said you've said it for years. What did you say? Borders, language and culture. You said Thank that. You. How many times have you said that over the over the years? Um, and don't forget, I, for, I I haven't forgotten about your compassionate conservatism either uh, from back in the day before it was coined elsewhere. Um, but it's really about looking at these issues logically and applying common sense to them. Karl von Clausewitz and George Marshall thought that the two most the most important attributes of a battlefield. Clausewitz was um, alive today. He'd probably have 100 Twitter followers. <laughs> if that, if that depends on his abs. You know, it depends I don't know. upon his abs. That's right. No. Unless Clausewitz had good abs, maybe not even 100. <laughs> we shall see but uh the Jesus, come on jack if jesus came back i don't think he'd have 100 followers today oh gee whiz i don't know it's a it's also tough it's also tough but we can take a breath perhaps and apply common sense to these issues uh to include the border uh and it i mean how it and we even renamed the Department of War the Department of Defense. Oh, I remember that too. In 1947, when we re uh, when we yeah, yeah. Uh, re went went through the military and the intelligence services and reorganized them. Um, yet we don't use it for defense. 
It's the United States Department of Defense. It's called that. Uh, if it was called the Department of War, it would make more sense because that's what we use it for. It would also be a mindset that uh, that is a little bit different than defense. But uh, yet we neglect to do that with our own. Every country. Everything is a parse and a reversal. So I, I started before by reading what happened with Bolivar. How did intelligence agencies miss this? I'm going to read one last sentence. So it said the European Spaniards who had schemingly remained in our country in order to keep it in continual turmoil mm. and to foster whatever conspiracies our judges permitted them to organize by always acquitting them, even when their misdeeds were of such enormity as to endanger public welfare. And then this guy goes on and says the doctrine which supported this procedure had its origin in the charitable maxims of a few writers who defend the thesis that no man is vested with the right to deprive another of his life, even though he be guilty of the crime of treason. Under the cloak of this pious doctrine, every conspiracy was followed by a acquittal and every acquittal by another conspiracy, which again brought acquittal, all because a liberal government must be characterized by clemency. Criminal clemency, more than anything else, contributed to the destruction of the structure, which we had not yet entirely completed. This is astounding. And I, I found it somewhere online. Memorial to the citizens of New Grenada by a citizen of Caracas pamphlet printed in 1813. I've got to send this to you to put into your next novel. I would, I, love to, I would love to see it. And uh, I was just thinking as you were reading that, that it could have been written in, let's say, 2025, 2027, 2030, about 2020, 2021, 2020. It's like releasing criminals in America's cities after they rape, murder, pillage and loot. Same thing, Jack. It's uh, there are definitely some parallels. Any final words? My prescient crystal ball reader and warrior extraordinaire jack Carr, only the dead any last words thank you well this next one uh, i'm really hoping that no more of these novels that i'm working on come to fruition uh, or any parts of them actually but this next one looks at the china connection so that's what i'm really diving into right <laughs> now so the book that comes out in may uh that one will go into this china connection really go deep into their capabilities and what their true intentions are really not just with taiwan but with the greater pacific region so that's coming in in may and then my first nonfiction is coming out in uh next year about this time it's on the 1983 beirut barracks bombing so that oh. is coming next fall my first nonfiction. how many american marines were killed in that barracks bombing more than they lost in iwo jima in world war ii how many i'll have to go look 300 and i want to get the exact number wrong because my mind's been on israel for the last couple of days okay. here but it was it was very high yeah i i had a guest on yesterday who you know johnson larry johnson you know uh, his work at all Anyway, I'm going to look it up after this. I feel like Larry's I, I former CIA, Larry advised special ops for 40 years, 20 years or something. I still don't know all of the ins and outs of Larry, but he's very, very smart, older guy. And he said that uh, if Israel goes into Gaza, it's going to be like them, like the Marines going into Iwo Jima, only worse. Because okay. I want your opinion, because he said, first of all, Gaza is far larger than Iwo Jima. Secondly, just as the Japanese dug tunnels in anticipation of the American invasion, so have the Hamas uh, fighters yeah. dug tunnels. And it may not end so as we think so quickly. I'm sure you can appreciate that. 
And there's not, uh, back then there wasn't social media and there wasn't, uh, which makes it easier to divide, to manipulate. There, okay. there weren't the uh, civilians being used uh, in the the extent that they are going to be in a built Absolutely. Up, uh, well, we're going to see all of like that. Palestine. Look, the Palestinians have held children up in front of tanks before. The Israeli military is known to run in front of their baby carriage. The Palestinians are known to run behind their baby carriage to make it very simplistic. That should say it all. <laughs> to you, it does. I don't think it does to those with abs on their mind. <laughs> well, I could use yeah. some ab work. Well, so. Yeah, yeah, I'll take some of that as well. Luckily, uh, luckily, the camera cuts me off here. Hey, believe me, I like the same, same here. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, always a real honor, a pleasure, and very enthusiastic for me to uh, to speak with you. I don't have any. Po I have no positive words to leave you with. I'm as well. You did. You did last time. You, you you've covered. You've at least covered a year or two uh, with uh, a positive influence with what you told me last time about being able to manifest that positivity <laughs> into the future. So I sincerely appreciate that. Okay, let's leave it in the past then. I thank you for being with us today on the Michael Savage podcast, and I highly recommend that people. There's a thing called a book, folks. It's something that used to be written and published in the civilized world, printing presses, ink. Uh, and they actually had information in them, not pictures. There's no pictures in them. They were called books. And you had to read them. They had words. There were things called words. And they weren't tweets. They weren't tweets at all. They were not Instagram messages. They were actual thoughts, thoughts, whole thoughts, written in pages, paragraphs, pages, chapters. Would you believe there was a time like this in the world? <laughs> And then not too, you know, not too, it wasn't too long ago either. Jack, keep writing. Thank you. You too. Looking forward to your next one. And uh, please reach out if you ever need anything. Okay. I hope I don't need what you're suggesting, but yes, <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks for being with us. God bless you and your family. And most importantly, yeah. let's say God bless America right now. May God bless America. You know, when you say God bless America, that's a command. It was only recently that I realized you have to say may God bless bless America. He's going to say, God bless America. It's like, I'm telling God what to do. Oh, how egotistical. May God bless you, your family and America. Look at that. I learned that. That's something I'll take with me going forward. And I sincerely appreciate that. Always something. I always love talking to you. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you very much. Savage. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.